Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and I'm so excited you're back here with me this week. Today, I'm interviewing my friend, April McKinney, the host of 20,000 Words. Last month, I was on her podcast and got to share my story, and it was really fun being on the other end of the mic and being asked the questions. So if you're curious about my story at all, you'll definitely have to go find that episode over there on 20,000 Words. But I totally encourage you to check out all of her episodes because she really has a gift for interviewing women and pulling out the best and the gold from their stories. So definitely check that out. Without further ado, I am so excited to introduce you to April. Hey, April. Hey, Kelsey. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to have you here. It has been so fun to get connected, both of us in the podcast world and getting to kind of just get to know one another. It's fun to meet people who are kind of doing something along the same lines and really be able to encourage each other. So I'm so glad you're here and just thankful to know you. Oh, I am too. I've thought so much about our conversation since we talked last week for 20,000 Words, my podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've just so enjoyed talking to you. And I know we're going to have even more to talk about today. It's going to be fun to be on the other side of the interview. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to hear your story. And I would love for you to kind of just start with that and share um, with our listeners who you are, what you do, and how you kind of got there. Okay. Oh, me. Okay. <laughs> It's always, it's always just, you think, wow, there's so much to that, but I'll try not try to make it too long. Um, well, I, first of all, as far as where I'm at now, I am, um, live in Franklin, Tennessee. So right outside of Nashville, grew up in the middle Tennessee area. We grew up actually in the same hometown. Uh, and I have a husband and I have a two and a half year old little boy and a baby girl on the way. So my life right now, a lot of times consists of, um, you know, (laughs) negotiating with a toddler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But aside from that, uh, I guess, how far do you want me to go back? Back into my story story or just kind of the the business side of things? Okay. All right. (laughs) So about, let's see, seven years ago, I uh, was getting, I graduated from college and I ended up, um, I was a broadcast journalism major and realized my last semester of college that I didn't want to pursue broadcast journalism after doing some internships. I realized, okay, I don't really want to be a news reporter and move to some podunk town and make $22,000 a year and (laughs) have weird hours. And I didn't really realize that you didn't start off with the glamorous job typically in that industry. (laughs) Uh, And so, but I did love the, the, um, being on camera, that whole aspect of it. I was really involved with our, our, um, campus TV channel and things like that, but I didn't really know what to do with that. The other part of the story is I really fell in love with cooking my last couple years of college. Just started watching Food Network. I didn't really grow up in a culinary family by any means. My mom always says she cooked 90s food, (laughs) but we always (laughs) ate as a family. I mean, nothing wrong with that at all. It was great, but you know, it wasn't like she was super into cooking, which, um, 
But I will say she cooked, I mean, almost every night. So I got to give her props for that, especially now that I got a kid and realize how hard that actually is. <laughs> so, um, so I started getting into cooking and specifically I would watch Food Network and I would print out the ingredient lists. And it was just this whole new world to me of cooking with all these fresh ingredients. Um, and I just loved it. And I remember thinking during my last semester of college when I was realizing I didn't want to be a news reporter, I thought, man, I would love to merge. I would love to be on Food Network. That would be just a dream come true. Of course, you know, I had just taught myself and experimented. I didn't have any formal training. Well, right after college, I ended up going to real estate school as well and and thought I'd be a real estate agent in the meantime. (laughs) Um, But there was a contest that Paula Dean was running and I saw the commercial on TV and she said, if you think you're the next cooking star, make a video using Philadelphia cream cheese and do a a recipe you've created on camera and send it in and you can, you know, win $25,000 and represent Philadelphia cream cheese for a year. And it was almost like this whole online reality show thing that she was putting on in conjunction with Philadelphia cream cheese. So my husband or fiance at the time was like, you've got to do it. You know, you've just, you've got to do it. Well, at this point, I had never really even written down a a recipe that I'd created. I would play around with food, but I had never actually sat down and written down a recipe to make. So I ended up making, um, getting a recipe together. And since I knew some about cameras and editing a little bit, I made a simple video with the with the recipe that I'd created. I got a call that said, you're a finalist in this. There was about 6,000 videos. And I think there was, I don't know, 20 finalists that got to go to Savannah, Georgia and go to her house and do all these recordings. And it was with this production company in LA that came to, to record all this and put this whole thing on. So anyway, it was a little taste of, wow, this is so cool. And I'm with Paula Dean and this all happened just, I actually went on this trip two days after I got back from my honeymoon. So it was a crazy time. Oh uh, my gosh. And how I long was it? Um, it lasted, I think I want to say about four days of being there. So I didn't end up winning. They kind of chose more Paula Dean type of people, that type of cooking. And I have more of a fresh approach to cooking. Um, not to say that that's, I wasn't supposed to win and that wasn't the way it was supposed to go, but it was this amazing experience. And all of a sudden I was just bit by this bug of, wow, I can really, maybe I could really do this. So as soon as I got home, I started getting calls from the local TV stations asking if I wanted to make my recipe on, on the show. And all of a sudden this dream that I thought I have no idea how I would go about doing this just sort of fell in my lap, honestly. Um, the other interesting part about this that I will, we can talk about more later is that I had struggled with an eating disorder from my freshman year of, of high school up until the end of college. So really I had, I had gotten total healing and freedom from that. And we can talk about that story um, about a year prior to all of this. And so, yeah, so, (laughs) so it was just this complete redemption. Oh my gosh, food, this thing that had, and cooking was a big part of healing for me was really um, cooking with fresh ingredients and realizing uh, how much, just how beautiful food can be. And so all of that sort of played a part. And I mean, the Lord really, just redeemed. It was just such a redemption story for me. And I really saw this plan being laid out for my life. And I thought, wow, I went through all this stuff with food and eating. And now um, the Lord truly healed me. There's no other way to say it. Uh, And now I'm going to be a cooking star. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's kind of the way. And, and honestly, I won't go into all the details because there's a lot of details that happened over the next five years. But basically from that point, a few months later, a similar situation happened and I was able to go on the Today Show and um, make a recipe. It was right before Thanksgiving. They they, I'd sent a recipe in and my picture, they called, said, we want you to come do your recipe. I've never been to New York, never done anything like that. Um, and all these crazy things happened within a year. I got called by Southern Living and I did an interview with them about being a um, representative for them on national TV shows. And, and I'm telling you, Kelsey, I had not, I was faking it till I made it. No, because because I loved cooking. But like I said, I had no training. I had literally been really cooking for about two years at this point. And it, I mean, the Paula Deen was my first time to actually write down a recipe. Were you, were you quaking in your boots before like the Today Show, Southern Living? Like, what if I do something that's so taboo in the cooking world or whatever? You know, you know what's crazy? Yes, sort of. But I had this confidence during that time. Not that to say that I wasn't nervous. Now with the Southern Living thing, I felt like that was way over my head because that was a job they were in and they found me, I don't know how, through videos online and things like that. Um, so that one was a little different. But I, it was almost like since I was a kid, I being on stage, performing, anything like that, it was when I just felt the most like myself and the most comfortable. Okay. So for some reason, even being on the Today Show, yes, I was nervous, but it was more of a, this is what I was born for feeling, okay. you know? It was, yeah. so um, it was really cool. But yes, I was nervous. I did get nervous about the cooking part of it. Even though I was confident, I knew that I had good recipes and I knew that I had a knack for cooking. But yeah, I would still kind of think like, I hope they're not going to think this is crazy. But they kept picking my recipes to win these contests. So I thought, I guess the recipe's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so over the next five years, I did a lot of different things with cooking. I taught cooking classes. I did a lot of local Nashville TV, regularly appearing on those shows, doing recipes, um, all kinds of different things. I did some other national TV spots as time went on and eventually got a cookbook deal, um, a mentor of mine in the cooking world. She introduced me to her, um, her agent and we met and he, he basically came up with cookbook concepts and found people to write them. And he had a concept called the outdoor table. He told, asked me if I'd be interested in writing it. I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he went to Thomas Nelson, uh, and, um, Harper Collins now and went to them and pitched the idea, pitched me as the author. And uh, they said, yes. And it was a couple year process from then to when the book actually released. And um, so, yeah, the book released, I guess it was two years ago. So it's still on Amazon, the outdoor table. Okay. So, so. <laughs> with that, what, I mean, it took a couple years. I think a lot of our listeners are creative entrepreneurs. And at some mm -hmm. point, I mean, I think a lot of women in general dream of writing a book one day. Can you mm -hmm. speak a little bit to that writing process? Like you said specifically, yeah. it took a couple of years. And I think a lot of us, you know, romanticize the release part, but there's a lot of behind the scenes, sure. tedious detail work. Yes, uh, there was a ton, and I am, I am not a detail-oriented person. I wish I was, <laughs> me either. But I'm not. That's why cooking is 
it comes naturally and I enjoy it because, you, you know, with cooking, I don't have to be necessarily super detailed. Um, with baking, you do. And I'm not a baker. I may, I may cook a little bit here, a little hint here. Let's yeah. do a pinch of that. You know, that's more my speed. But yes, the, the, the writing process was very tedious. Now, this was a cookbook, so it wasn't, you know, it was different than writing a you know, memoir or something like that. Uh, but it was very long. There was a lot of edits. You know, I was testing recipes out. Every recipe I did, I tested some, some of them multiple times. It took a good full year of just the writing. I think I had nine months to actually write it. But there was time before that where I wasn't sure if they were, if the publisher was going to pick it up, um, that I think I had to wait six months before I knew if they were going to or not. <laughs> uh, and then once that they said yes, then we had that nine-month process of let's get to work and writing the cookbook. And then we went through edits and, you know, going back and forth on different recipes. I did write little stories, short little paragraph before each recipe. So, um yeah, it was it was it was a fun process. Honestly, it was kind of one of those things where so like so many things like this in the past seven years that have happened in my life where I think, is this really happening to me? Like why, you know, I really always had that feeling like, am I gonna be found out that you know I'm just I'm just kind of not sure if I'm really worthy of this, you know, in some way. Am I really good enough? I struggled with that a lot during the process. Am I really good enough to be writing a cookbook, you know? Right. Which so. is fascinating because we chatted a little bit about that too on uh, over on twenty thousand words. And yes. it's fascinating that like even from, from my perspective, the outside looking in, I'm thinking you've arrived, you've <laughs> got the cookbook deal, you, you know, you're in the process, you've got, you've got the publisher locked down, but right. you still felt that. Yes, totally. Oh, I, I, I always felt that to an extent. I've always felt a little bit like that with this journey. Um, you know, a lot of it for me is because I, it, so much of it did seem to happen. Doors just seemed to open that didn't make sense, you know, but I honestly felt like that was a God thing. He was opening doors in this arena for me. And um, I think there's some times in life where you're going for something and you're working really hard at it and you just keep getting pushback and pushback and pushback. And not yep. that there wasn't not that there wasn't pushbacks during this whole season. There were plenty of times where I thought, "What am I doing? I need to get a normal job," which I did get normal jobs throughout this process that I, you know yeah. I had. But I definitely had the feeling of, you know, should I really be doing this? Is this silly? You know, why don't I just be a grown up and get like a real job? I, like I could be a real estate agent. Um, but it seemed like in the moments where I felt really uncertain. And I was really praying, God, you know, just give me a nudge. Show me that this is the path I'm still supposed to be on because if it's not, then I'm, I, I, I will walk away. And about those times, uh, it's, a door would open. And it was just this this feeling of, I still want you to, to stay the course right now. So, wow. So what did you do once your cookbook's released? Because if I'm estimating correctly, that's also right around the time you had your first son, right? So. Well, yes. Yeah. So he, well, actually I wrote it while I was pregnant. I was writing it pretty much the whole time I was pregnant. Uh, he was born, there was sort of a break period from the time I turned it in. I had him about, I had him a few months before 
few months after I turned it in, we were doing, it was funny, we were actually doing photo shoots at my house for the cookbook and I went into labor like the next day. (laughs) I went into labor early. So it was just a crazy time. But I had him and I was able to sort of take a break because it was the time when they were, you know, getting all all their ducks in a row with it. I had done my part. Um, And so I had about six months before it was released which was nice yeah. (laughs) because I was doing some traveling and stuff once it was released. So I had some time, but it was released. And here I am, I was doing some real estate as well. I, my husband's a builder. So I do, I list his houses. And um, so I was a new mom, had a cookbook that was released and was doing real estate. And I have always been somebody who, you know, just go, 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 get it done. You know, always felt like I didn't have a lot of limitations on myself, felt like I can really do whatever I, you know, need to do. Um, And I felt great. It was a great year. But after the cookbook was released, it would have been that summer, um, did the promotional things that ended early, late, late summer, the promotional things ended. I was able to go on Fox and Friends, I think in September, and that was the last big thing I did for the cookbook. And at that point, I really didn't have a next step. I thought, you know, people kept asking, do you think you'll do another book, cookbook? I didn't really know what that would look like. The publishers had changed a lot from the time I got my deal um, to when I it was actually released. And it was about a month after all the publicity for the cookbook ended. And I woke up one morning, had a, had a one, he had, Maverick had just turned one, my son. And I woke up and I remember I went to Target. I had a, I was doing a baby shower for somebody, you know, had a full weekend of stuff going uh-huh. on. People coming to my house that night, all that. And I remember feeling really weird that day. I felt like sort of faint and um, just physically kind of sick, a little bit nauseous. I couldn't figure out, I thought this is really weird. I didn't think too much about it that day, but it did sort of, bother me. I had a little pain in my stomach and my uh, sister-in-law, she didn't think anything about this, but she was like, well, could it be your um, appendix? You know, do you have appendicitis? You know, something about your appendix. Well, I've always kind of prided myself on taking care of my body other than the eating disorder thing. (laughs) That wasn't, that wasn't really taking care of my body. But since then, being healthy, eating healthy, eating real food, working out. I mean, I love working out. I do it, you know, five or six days a week. It's just part of my life. So I've always kind of had this feeling that if you take care of yourself, then you'll, then you won't end up having health issues, which (laughs) I got a rude awakening. (laughs) So, um, the next day I woke up again and the pain was still there. I, I started feeling even more nauseous, really did not feel well. Uh, went to the doctor. They immediately did a, they actually did like an ultrasound to see if maybe I had an ovarian cyst or something. Uh, didn't have anything. They didn't find anything. Basically said it's probably some kind of virus. Just give it a few days. But there was something about the way that I felt that I that just made me feel really anxious. I couldn't it just felt different than anything I had ever experienced physically. I wasn't throwing up. I wasn't, um, there wasn't really anything other than just this shakiness, nauseated, extreme exhaustion feeling. And I remember having chills, some being really cold. I couldn't get my body temperature, wouldn't regulate. So it was very strange. And I was actually doing a pretty big speaking engagement a few weeks that had planned a few weeks after this at a church. And I was going to share my story about the eating disorder and all that. And um, it was kind of a big moment for me because I hadn't 
on a stage publicly been a keynote speaker about all my story. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, well, as long as I'm, I will be okay by then. Well, as that got closer, I kept feeling bad. I just wasn't feeling good. It was not going away. We were praying. I mean, I was getting all kinds of tests done. And I started to just become extremely anxious um, about what was wrong with me. I started to just Google like crazy, which I should not have done, but I'm a right. fix it person. You know, I'm a, something's wrong with me. I need to fix it and get well and be done with it, you know, <laughs> or find out what's wrong with me. That, that was my big concern is like, somebody tell me what is wrong. Yeah. And I was having blood work done, all kinds of stuff. I even went to a neurologist. I mean, I had in my mind at one point that I had beginning signs of MS. I mean, I kind of went a little crazy. Right. (laughs) Everybody's kind of telling me different things that it could be. You know how it is when you're sick and people are giving, you know, well-meaning, but still every little idea that I got of something it could be, I would go research it and, you know, whatever. So... I ended up doing that speaking engagement. It was a really awesome night, but, and I thought, well, maybe after this, I'll feel better. Maybe there's just something to do with this speaking thing and who knows? Well, I still didn't get better. So anyway, all that to say, it went on for, to where I really couldn't do much physically. I was trying to take care of my son. My parents were a big help. Couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I would say a good three months of just really not doing well. And it was the weirdest thing. And then I had, I kept getting sick. Anything Maverick would get, I would catch it. I had hand, foot, and mouth. I had strep throat. I got tonsillitis several times. It was just crazy. Um, And as time went on, I began to realize that I don't know what it started out as. I think it did probably start out as some kind of virus. Um, But I really believe, and after meeting with a counselor and a doctor that I really trusted, that I was dealing with some anxiety, uh, severe anxiety yeah. and having phys- physical symptoms of that, which I had never experienced anything like that. So it was a huge wake up call to me that this is real. People who struggle with you know depression, and I, d- I wouldn't categorize it as depression. It was really more of an anxiety um, and the physical symptoms of that. So that went on. Like I said, I started to feel really a lot more like myself about six months later to where I felt like I knew nothing was seriously wrong with me, um, but I was still battling anxiety here and there. And even to this day now, and we're about a year and a half past that, I still, if there's something wrong with me or I, I feel weird in any kind of way, I can, I can, I start to feel that those anxious symptoms wow. surface. Yep. Oh yeah. I struggle with anxiety too. And it, and I don't typically have physical symptoms other than body aches. I don't have mm-hmm. some of the other things, but it's, it is the real deal because you start thinking things are seriously wrong with you. And anxiety mm-hmm. is a problem, but like you think you're dying. I mean, yes. I've, I've literally oh. gone through a season where, and we still can't figure out some of my body aches, um, but... I've gone through a season where I've like called Kelly, my COO of Radiant, been like, if I die, just make sure David has a job. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> crazy, yes. crazy things. I go down these rabbit holes, you know? Yes. And it is oh. not, it's not good. Oh, girl. I, I was convinced at one point that I had a brain tumor. I mean, yes. I was convinced that I had a brain tumor. I've literally That's have what- been like, Kelly, <laughs> make sure like if I die, David has a job at Radiant forever. That's all I ask. Aww. You know, like you can be the fat, you can be the CEO. Just you know, make sure he has a design job. 
<laughs> oh <laughs> my gosh. Of, I mean, he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I mean, anxiety is debilitating. Yes, completely. And I, I honestly, I, I hate to even admit this, but I would, I would roll my eyes sort of that type of attitude when people would say, you know, talk about that kind of stuff. I just grew up in the mentality of, you know, you push through, uh, you can overcome things mentally, especially if it's a mental thing like that. It just felt like you can, you can push through, God will get you through, you know, all those things. And yes, I felt extreme connection. My relationship with God was, you know, I was questioning a lot of things and like, why is this happening to me? (laughs) But I also, man, you know, when you're in those times, those seasons that are so hard, those are the times when you feel his presence. Oh yeah. So close. And so it was a really sweet time because it forced me to completely stop, you know, all the things, all the wheels, you know, the plates I had spinning, it all had to stop. And um, so at that point, you know, I was six months after, it's like, okay, I had this cookbook. I was just beginning what I thought was this road to real success with all of it. And during this period was when I started listening to podcasts. I had never really listened to podcasts. And because I was at home a lot, (laughs) I wasn't doing much. I started listening to podcasts and I started listening to the happy hour specifically with Jamie Ivey. And I, um, I loved it. And it was so encouraging to me during this season because I was hearing these stories of these women who had gone through similar, you know, they'd gone through things, hard things. And here I was going through a really hard season and felt very alone. Um, and man, it just, it was just awesome for me to to start listening to that. And then I started learning about other podcasts and it opened up this whole new world. And I thought, man, I would love to have a podcast someday. That would just be so cool. And my love for cooking is still there and it always will be. And it's not to say that I won't ever write another cookbook or do anything with it again, because I, I, I don't think, I think I will. But um, I will say that the Lord's sort of, my desire to be a cooking star uh-huh. <laughs> uh, sort of uh, faded during mm-hmm. that time because I thought, you know, I do feel like I had this gifting and I always felt like it when it came to speaking and and being on stage and that sort of thing on camera. Uh, but I always wanted whatever I did to to matter and to be something of substance and for it to um, just be real and vulnerable. I always had that desire in my heart. And not not to say that doing anything with cooking or being a cooking blogger or anything like that. It's not a negative thing at all. But for, yeah, but for me personally, that desire just sort of to fade and wanting to really do something that um, was just about vulnerability and story and lives changing. I mean, that was kind of where my heart went, especially with knowing how busy I could make myself with doing all the other things. It's like, if I'm going to be busy and have a little kid at home and, you know, now another one on the way, I need it to be with something that I believe is going to be making a real difference in people's lives. So, And sometimes it's just like your passions for a season. Maybe, maybe cooking will also loop back around, but sometimes just things, you know, ebb and flow for a season. And for me too, you know, I've made some pivots in my business towards focusing on things that really make me come alive. And Mm -hmm. I think being able to 
be um, in tune with what you really have a passion for in any given season, it's okay to change courses. Yeah, it's it's scary, you know, and, and there's moments where I think, wow, was all of that in vain? You know, did all of, did that did those things matter? Why did God open all those doors up, you know, that were all these national TV spots and things like that, that, you know, I thought that my story was going to be eating disorder and then, God used food and cooking, some you know, food which could, was my my enemy in a way, uh, and what could have brought me down to the thing that He used to redeem my life, and you know, just this huge redemption story. Yeah. And I was gonna, and I was gonna make it in this cooking world, and that was gonna be my big story. And and it is a big story, and it still is, regardless of where I'm at now. It's a huge, it's, it's life changing, um, and it's amazing the doors that He opened. But um, but my life is sort of taking a little bit of a different course, uh, and but I still believe that the things that he the doors he opened even now are affecting the way that I'm this my podcast is being run and the guests that I have on it it has still opened doors in that arena as well. So well, and it's interesting to see how like your life changes courses, but God is able to weave it all together. I mean, even yes. you've even been able to have a lot of published authors on because of your work, right? Yeah, yeah. So the public the publicist that worked on my cookbook contacted me when I uh, got done with my or when I started my podcast, and she said, "Hey, you know, we've got authors that are you know writing books and Christian authors that would love to." Uh, have on, we'd love to have, get them on your podcast. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it it, op- it definitely opened a door uh, for me to have some really um, great authors and things like that, speakers on the podcast, which has been, was just a huge confirmation for me that, man, this is, this is a cool thing and God's, God's in it. And he's, opening opening doors even still so man and it's it is really cool to see how all the dots really are connected even when we can't see it from a zoomed in perspective right when we're in the middle of it when we totally a little bit we can really see where he is working and maybe there's part of the story that you just don't even know yet too so i'm eager to kind of watch I am sure that there is. <laughs> yeah. So I would love for you to kind of talk about your eating disorder and overcoming yeah. that and what that looked like for you. Sure. Well, this is something that I have been really open about for a long time now. Like I said, it's been, um, I guess, uh, eight eight years or more now since, since everything came to a head. Um, basically, you know, as a kid... I was normal, always normal size. I was never one of those skinny kids. <laughs> I always sort of had a, you know, a little muscle in me and, you know, but but normal size. And when I hit fifth grade, you know, fifth, sixth grade, hit puberty, um, I went through a little stage where I gained weight. It was just like my, I had more of my awkward stage in fifth and sixth grade as opposed to middle school. <laughs> and um, I remember... There were. I was a very confident kid. Uh, I, I I won when I was when I was like in second or third grade. I guess I was doing baton twirling, and they had this beauty pageant, and I ended up winning the beauty pageant. Not that it was like some big deal. It was like juvenile Miss Cinderella or something like that. <laughs> but it gave me a lot. That that was pivotal for me as a kid because I all of a sudden it felt really good to wear a crown and be recognized for my beauty. You know, I I began to get some identity in that as a, you know, second, third grader. 
So that is important piece of the story to me. Um, As I got in that fifth and sixth grade time, I, uh, there were a few little comments that were made. I wasn't, you know, made fun of necessarily or anything, but there were just a few comments. There was specifically this boy that I liked and I, I don't remember how word got around to him that I liked him. And then word got back to me that he had, he said something to the effect of, uh, I would, you know, I think we called it go out even in fifth grade. This was in sixth grade. I would go out with April, but she's gained some weight this year. And, I will never forget that. I mean, even though that that's not even that terribly mean of a comment, but it just, oh, it was like all of a sudden I'm supposed to be like the pretty little girl. Yeah. Oh. And then I'm getting rejected for my looks and it's because of my weight. And you know, there were a few other really comments like that. They weren't meaning to be super mean, but kids are kids and they say things. So just a a testimony there of how words can affect us. So as I got into middle school, I ended up growing out of that stage and developed sort of early. And I, I remember being in middle school in eighth grade and started to get some attention from boys. And that became um, something I wanted to, I began to get my identity again in the way I looked. And it felt really good after experiencing a little rejection and then experiencing, we, you know, these boys that were liking my body, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, specifically, yeah. um, it started to feel really good to me to get that attention after not having it and after being rejected. And so I remember thinking, I remember having this fear at that point. I never wanted to gain weight. That was my biggest concern. You know, other girls might obsess over their hair or their clothes. I was obsessing over my body and the way I looked in my clothes. Um, And so I get into high school, freshman year of high school. At this point, you know, again, had grown out of that awkward stage, was normal size. And... And I only say that not to say, oh, I was normal size, but just to give you context of kind of what I looked like, you wouldn't have thought anything, you know, you wouldn't have thought I was overweight. You wouldn't have thought I was too skinny, nothing like that. So freshman year, um, I ended up being a part of a cheerleading competition. I got to go on a cheerleading trip with the co-ed squad, which was boys and girls. And the boys were all seniors. And I got to be on this varsity squad that I'd made. And um, we went on a trip to Florida. And I had a crush on one of the senior boys that was there. (laughs) And since I wasn't, I was actually on the freshman cheerleading squad. I ended up having to borrow a uniform from one of the girls that was not there, a varsity uniform. And she was a very like petite, just little girl. And I was having to have to wear her uniform and I was nervous about it. And you know how on those trips when you're that age, there's all this junk food and, you know, the mm-hmm. hotel rooms, There's you've got three or four girls in a room and there's just junk food everywhere. Holiday Inn Express, Panama City. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> that that same, same thing. So, <laughs> so, you know, I have a sweet tooth and always have. So anyway, I was eating all this stuff, just feeling kind of gross like you do when you eat too much crappy food. And I wound up feeling really gross the day before our competition. And I thought, man, like, I really wish I wouldn't have eaten what I ate. And um, I had seen on Oprah, this girl that was bulimic. And I didn't really know about that. But I remember watching the show on Oprah and just thinking like, oh my gosh, that's so weird that she does that. Like, I can't even imagine doing that. Well, 
in this moment at this hotel room by myself, when feeling gross after eating too much and knowing I'm going to have to wear this uniform that's too small the next day, I thought I could do that. Mm -hmm. I could, I could get, I could kind of have a quick fix here, what I thought would be a quick fix. And I did. I went in the bathroom and made myself throw up. And I remember thinking after I did it, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I did that. This is what crazy people do. I'm not crazy. Like I will never do that again. Uh, I really thought that, you know, I think people sometimes hear somebody has an eating disorder and they just think they were always full-blown eating disorder, but it it starts really innocently and really just kind of this one-time thing. And so that went down and I, and I like to tell all those details because it just gives you a good idea of how these things begin. But how but they creep in. How they creep in. So at that point, uh, I, you know, probably it was a once a month thing. And every time after I did it, I would say, I'm never going to do that again. I can't believe I did that. Um, and as high school went on, you know, it, it's increased, but it wasn't completely out of control in high school, um, but it was there. And it was probably once a week, it was something, you know, that I would do once or twice a week, depend, you know, by my senior year. When I went away to college, I, um, I didn't go away, but I lived in an apartment. <laughs> and that was when things really just began to spiral out of control. I was on my own. I was partying. I was, you know, just doing things that I knew weren't who I was. And I wasn't living the way I knew that God um would want me to live. And I was a Christian. I got saved when I was really young. Um, But, and I was always a good girl in high school for the most part. But in college, I just went a little crazy and the eating disorder went crazy too. And um, it was when I started dating my husband, we met at a bar. (laughs) I was under, I was under, I was underage. We met and he was about five years older than me. He was a wild child but he was starting to get his life together. Um, and we met and a few months after dating him, I realized, wow, like this might be the one. Yeah. <laughs> even even though I was living, I was in my worst place in life. I mean, I was full-blown eating, full-blown bulimia. Uh, I was partying, drinking, all that stuff. Um, promiscuous, I mean, not promiscuous. Well, I was doing too much. We'll put it that right, way. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't living. Yeah. I wasn't living a pure life. Let's say that. And all those things played a part, you know, they all, I think sin creeps in and it, as you, as you go down in that hole, you just start going in more and more holes. Right, <laughs> you know well, what I mean? Well, it destroys your self-worth. And so yes. you, it, it's like, you're not making choices for the sake of being wild. It's literally like by force of habit almost and kind yes. of just little things adding up to big things. Yes, and it, and it's whatever can make you feel. I had so much guilt and shame because all of this eating disorder was very secretive. Mm-hmm. So I was living this secret life. I appeared to the world as one person, but inside I felt like I was somebody that was totally different, a very ugly person, you know, inside. Um, and so Zach, my husband, Beyonce, we were dating for, I guess about a year and a half, a little less than a year and a half. And I'd kept it a secret from him. And I'd never had a relationship like this where it was a healthy, you know, 
for the most part, healthy, comparatively speaking yeah. to the relationships I'd had before. It was a good relationship. We really did love each other. I wasn't planning on finding my husband when I was in college by any means. I remember thinking I would be 30 before I got married, um, but I was young and we just, when you know, you know, but I, um, I'd hid this from him somehow. Wow. And about a year and a half into it, he got some clues that there was some things going on. He knew, I always kind of said, oh, it's something I used to struggle with. Mm-hmm. That was my thing. I, you know, when you when you have an addiction like this, you lie and you get really good at lying and lying just becomes second nature because you have to in order to keep your addiction alive. Yeah. And so I would, I would always act like it was something I used to struggle with and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, he got some clues that things weren't, as they appeared and that maybe Mm -hmm. some things were going on. And I remember he called me, I was on my way to work and he called me and said, Hey, when you get home uh, later, we need, we need to sit down and talk. And I remember being scared out of my mind because my fear, my greatest fear was being found out. And so, especially from him, because, you know, I loved him. I knew that he was the one. He loved me. He was so, so good to me. Um, And he had a lot of life changes during all this too. His life had really, God had really done some work in him and radically changed his life. So, and that's another story. But um, I got home from work. He was there, was actually at my parents' house. They were out of town and we sat down and he kind of said, hey, you know, I, I know some things aren't right. What's going on with the eating stuff? And I remember sitting there, I'll never forget this night. I sat there and I thought I can either lie again, like I've always done, or make it out to be less than what it is because that's 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 what you do. Yeah, you minimize. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I knew at this point, if I did that, you know, here I was getting closer to graduation. Life was about, about to take a new direction, you know, it was going to not be so much of a kid anymore, I guess. And I knew that if I did that, that our future, we wouldn't be able to have a real future together because there was no way that I could marry him and move forward with a life together with this secret. Yeah. It just, it wasn't, it would be impossible. So it was kind of like, it was now or never in a way. And if I want this relationship to happen, then I've got to, I got to be real. For the first time ever. Wow. <laughs> and I just, the words sort of fell out of my mouth. Scariest, scariest moment of my life um, was to say, I'm, I'm not okay. I, it's not, I'm not in control of this. It's out of control. I don't know what to do. Um, it's bad. And he, you know, I had lied to him over this time period about things, you know, it, in my mind, it's like, why in the world would he stay with me? Um, and he just loved me. He just hugged me. I cried. He said, we're going to get through this. Oh. You're going to get help. You're going to tell your parents. Because <laughs> I was living at home. He's like, we're, we're, we're going to be okay. Oh. And I mean, Kelsey, it was a, it was the chains breaking moment in my life. Well, it's um, like I, he's offering you like, passage into freedom. Yes. And it was, it was me experiencing grace and what it's, it was me experiencing, honestly, Jesus's love in a human form. It was like, I don't deserve this at all. And you know, the ugliest parts of me now, and you're, and you're saying, I still want you. 
Oh, so, oh, wow. I'm over here crying, meanwhile. Oh. But would you say that forever changed your, changed your perspective um, on the difference between like grace, giving grace and shaming someone? Because oh. grace is the, you know, um, accelerator to change. Yes, I, I did not understand grace. You know, I, I knew what Jesus died on the cross for me. I thought that as a 10-year-old, acknowledging that was, okay, I know you died for my sins. So all the sins I've I've had, which aren't very many, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 10, 10 years old, yeah. <laughs> um, are forgiven. And now like you're in my heart and I have to be, I'm supposed to be good now. And I wasn't hearing people talk about their sins that they were dealing with or their struggles they were right. dealing with after the fact. And I didn't understand, I really didn't understand grace until then. And um, I, when Zach, Zach said, you know, I wanted him to stay, but we ended up talking for a long time and he said, I need, I need, I need to go. I think you need to be alone for a little bit, which was super scary because I didn't know what to do, but it was the right thing. It was like God really, the Holy Spirit, he was just speaking to Zach that day and he was listening. It was like he knew in the clues that he found, the different things that happened, the way he handled all of it. It was really amazing now looking back. So I remember laying on the on the grant on the floor at their house after he left and just crying. I mean, just screaming out. I mean, because this was my coping mechanism. This was something that, but it was also this freeing moment of, oh my gosh, once I let it out into the light, it had already lost so much power. Yeah. It, was ama- it was amazing. So not to say that it was never a struggle, but I got in counseling. I was in counseling for a year. I My parents got home. They had been on a trip. They got home. Zach and I sat and I told them, you know, the real deal with what was going on. So I just had really strong accountability with them and with my counselor. And But I have to say, the, <clears throat> the thing that really set me free was confession. And that's something I'm just so passionate about is freedom through confession. I I love when you wrote that, you know, when we were chatting about this in our email beforehand, what does that look like for you now and daily? Yeah. Well, you know, since then, because there was other things in my life that had, were secretive, um, that I ended up over time telling Zach and things that weren't even a huge deal necessarily, but I've, I have, I live in a way now where there are no secrets in my life. Isn't it freeing? It is so freeing. And the things that we are so embarrassed of or ashamed of or the thoughts or whatever it is, once those are out, especially I believe when it's within your marriage. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it is life-changing for your marriage and it allows your spouse. There was a, a retreat I went on. This is a little side story, but it does go along with this a retreat. I, I went on a few couple years ago and I had this sense from God that I was supposed to confess something to Zach. And it wasn't a huge thing at all. Honestly, it was it was kind of like the last little thing that I could even think of that I might need to tell him. And it wasn't even a big deal. And I was kind of going, do I really need to tell him this? This is like silly. But <laughs> but it the Lord just put it on my heart so strongly. Yes, you need to go home and tell him this. And so, and this was probably six months after I'd had Maverick. It's a women's retreat. And um, I came home and it was like, the retreat was great. And I sat me and Zach sat down and talked, ended up saying, there is something I need to tell you. And I told him. And what was crazy was 
Zach actually had had a confession that he needed to tell me. And he would not have told me it if I would not have told him the little thing that I told him. Wow. It would not, he would not have, but it, it was a, it was a, it began a process of change <clears throat> for him um, through the Holy Spirit urging me to confess. Yeah. It allowed him to confess. Wow. And, and his confession was, you know, b- honestly bigger yeah. <laughs> and needed to be confessed more than, you know, what I had said. Been so there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, in those moments are hard and it's not easy afterwards, but they're, uh, they're so rewarding and um, so worth it. So, so, so worth it. I totally agree. And David and I have had some situations too where we have just told each other the brutal truth or, mm-hmm. you know, something's kind of been, you know, on our hearts to share with each other. And it's really hard. Like, you know, really hard. something, confession is not easy, but, you know, I would much rather have it all on the table because something I remember working at a Young Life camp and one of our, you know, leaders of all the college students working at the Young Life camp, um, her name was Jess. And she said, you know what? Satan will always convince you to keep sin and shame in a closet and let, and that's where it festers and grows. Yes. And the guilt is, ends up being more of a burden than the sin itself and the yes. shame but, and Satan will try everything in his wheelhouse to um, tell you that you're not safe to confess that, but actually the freedom comes when you let it out. And that, I will never forget that um, because it really, it really is true. You know, when you lay it all on the table and there's nothing to hide, there's such a freedom and ease in a relationship, even with the hard stuff, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's so powerful. And you're so right. And she was right saying that. I mean, when you don't, when you keep it quiet, whatever it is, um, it will fester and it will grow and it will turn into more sin. And that that's just, I mean, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that in Zach's life. I've seen that in any, anybody's life. I mean, if you listen to um, anybody speaking about something that they have, they have had shame and guilt about. So yeah, the quicker we can, we can start being real and start telling our stuff to the ones that we need to tell it to. <laughs> I think the better off our, our marriages and our relationships are going to be. Absolutely. Well, man, what a beautiful story of him just sharing grace and like you stepping into freedom and how God has taken you on this journey ever since to have a cooking career and a cookbook. And it it's just yeah. really cool that, um, and it's very interesting to see that how like, you know, you were destined to step into this cooking cooking career. I'm certain God had, you know, that path laid out for you and how Satan so easily introduced like little struggles that became big struggles early on mm-hmm. to kind of deter you from that. And mm-hmm. I just think it's really cool for you to take back the ground that's yours to take mm-hmm. in the first place. So um, yeah. what do you kind of see for your future to unfold? I'm, I'm just so excited <sighs> to be able to be friends and- Oh, me too. Well, you know, I honestly, at this point, <laughs> I never would have expected the, the way the last year and a half has gone. Um, I, I would not have expected it at all. But, you know, I see right now I'm going to have another baby in um, in the fall, which, you know, that is, that's a wild card. Things just 
can go crazy when you have a baby. And I know that. Um, so I'm not putting too many expectations on myself. Yeah. Um, but I do, I am loving doing the 20,000 words podcast. Um, I, you know, the conversation like we've had today, this is, that's the kind of conversations that I'm having with these women over at, um, over at 20,000 words. And it's what I'm passionate about. I love to hear people's stories and um, for women to encourage uh, other other women that are listening. And so I do, I'm at a place where I feel like I've, I've got a good understanding of what that podcast is and the vision that I have for it. And now I'm, I'm at a place where I, I want to see that grow. And if that's what the Lord wants, but I also want to, uh, it was one of the things you taught, you talked about on, um, when you were on the other last week, I, I want to educate myself in some areas that I feel like I need some education in in order to expand the um, reach of the podcast. So I'm excited about that. You know, I'm excited about continuing on with it. And it's been really cool because I feel like the Lord just kind of placed these different people on my heart. You know, at first I was like, how am I going to have enough people to interview? Yeah. <laughs> and and that has been the least of the issues of having this podcast, which has been really cool. He just, whether it's through the publicist or just through somebody that I know, uh, in town or have met through different areas, you contacting me. It's just been really cool, the people that he's brought on um, to share. So Yeah, it tends to work out. You know, I, I mm-hmm. really thought about that a lot too at the beginning of like, well, I run out of people or is this going to be hard? And it, it tends to just move forward. And I think God gives you a grace on certain things. Not to say like, I mean, like you said, there are seasons where it feels like you get pushed back with different projects. And, but, but with the podcast, it's felt like a, an ease and a momentum. And Mm -hmm. I love listening to your podcast. You know, like I said, when I messaged you, you know, my young life leader, Emily was on your podcast and and that kind of sent me on the, down the rabbit hole of exploring your interviews. And I just love your heart for interviewing women and sharing their story and um, really just facilitating a conversation that people can learn from. So I totally recommend it to our listeners. Thank you. I would love to ask like, what's your advice on getting started? Because you've gotten started in kind of two different um, arenas, you know, the cooking world and uh, the podcast world, and you've you've gone for it. You've just done it. So what would your Mm -hmm. advice to our listeners be who who maybe have an idea that they don't know what to do next or are in the middle of something? Right. Well, you know, um, (laughs) for me, I feel like a lot of the things that I've done have been sort of an unconventional route. Um, But my advice would be to talk to people who have have done similar things, you know, that's something that has been really important in my career. My husband is self-employed as well. And talking to people who seem to have arrived or have have are ahead of, of us uh, and getting an idea of what that looks like and how to get started and advice from them, that's been huge for both of us. That's, that's how I got the cookbook deal. Uh, you know, I was doing my own thing, but it was through a mentor of mine that introduced me to her agent. And if it wouldn't have been from that for that happening... I wouldn't have had the cookbook. I mean, I just wouldn't have. <laughs> so um, that's a huge thing. Reach out to people. Don't be scared to contact them and say, hey, can we? Can I just pick your brain? Um, so that's huge. And I would also say, and I'm still learning this, definitely, is just jumping in and doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think we want to wait until everything's going to be perfect to start something or till we know everything about it. And at the end of the day, 
at some point you just got to start yep. and then go f- and improve from there. You know, we were talking about um, a podcast that we both love oh, yeah. that listening back to the earliest episodes of it, you go, oh man, it wasn't so great right in the beginning. The sound quality and the interviews were a little, you know, funny, but um, she just jumped in and started it. And as time went on, she learned and improved. And, you know, so that's what I'm trying to do right now. And that's, that's advice I would give. Yep. It's just get started. And, mm-hmm. and while we're kind of there, what would be some resources that you would recommend to any of our listeners kind of in those starting phases, any podcasts, any books, you know, what kind of keeps you filled up and encouraged as you navigate kind of the entrepreneurial world? Yeah, well, <laughs> I would probably recommend you. <laughs> I'm about to use. I'm about to talk to you after this about some some hey, thanks. some education. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things for me that's been great is I have been able to develop some close friendships with girls who have done some really cool things. Um, you know in the media world and things like that and getting advice from them and talking to them and getting encouragement from them. Um, because I mean, Zach believes in me all day long, but he doesn't know, know really how to go about these things. But (laughs) again, for me, it's, it's talking to people who, who you respect their opinions and you know that they have some knowledge in these areas and putting ideas past them and, and learning from that, um, that's my that's my big thing. I don't know that I really have a book as of right now, but I do listen to all kinds of podcasts. And honestly, the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy. Yeah. You know, we've talked about that one. Even your podcast. You know, you've got a lot of people on there that are uh, on on here that are uh, business owners and entrepreneurs. And I mean, listening to podcasts to me for me has been a huge. Education. Uh-huh. Um, you can you can really learn. I mean, that's how I learned about how to start a podcast. Was listening to a podcast about how to start a podcast, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you explore that world, whatever arena it is that you're interested in, uh, that you want to launch or start. You're going to be able to find a podcast most likely that's got you know a lot of great advice. So. And for me, that's where I'm at. Reading books right now, I, I enjoy reading, but I'm not in a season where I get a lot of time to sit and read a book. <laughs> Most of the time when I have quiet time, it's where I need to be folding laundry. I need to be doing whatever during nap times. So podcasts are a great resource for me. Agreed. Yeah. I love that I can still be in the car or grocery shopping yes. or doing stuff I have to do and I can learn. And it, I yes. love podcasts and I am with you. I'm loving your podcast, 20,000 words, which I'll link that up in the show notes. Love awesome. Jamie Ivy's podcast. I think we're her fan girls. So, we are totally. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I definitely am with you because I, I, hello, I didn't even think about you know probably while you have a toddler, you're not reading all the time. <laughs> well, and and I mean, I I wish I should be reading more, and I do read. I definitely I read. A, you know what I read a lot of is the books that. I get sent yeah. uh, for <laughs> for podcast interviews. So um, I've been reading Put Your Warrior Boots On by Lisa Whittle. I interviewed her a few weeks ago and I'm really enjoying her book. So, you know, I just only have time for so many books right now. Totally. <laughs> and yeah, even those books before an interview, it's like you're scrambling to get as much content in so you can like really know their story and be genuine yes. when you say you're reading their book. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Oh, ooh, one funny question that I'd love to ask you before you, we go because I, I I think I'll ask anyone who has a podcast this. Have you ever forgotten what you're asking or going to say in the middle of an interview, or forgot oh. what they're talking about? Like yes. zoned out. 
Yes. I, and and I'm, this is funny because we're not using a video right now. On mine, I usually do use a video, um, but I'm, I'm enjoying using not using a video being the interviewee. So maybe I should keep that in mind. Anyway, <laughs> um, yes, I do. I do get sidetracked. I really have to, I mean, before every podcast, a lot of times it's, you know, it's a little crazy before I'm getting him, you know, the kid Maverick down for a nap or, you know, there's been getting the kid down, but there's stuff happening um, right up until right before a lot of times I get on. I try to give myself about 15 minutes to come upstairs where I do the um, Skype and and just get my mind focused. But I always pray (laughs) before the podcast, Lord, just guide my mind, help me to stay clear and focused during this and for, you know, your spirit to lead and guide my words. You know, I really have to have that prayer because, oh my gosh, if it's just up to me, I feel like my mind would go in a million different directions. And it still does some, but that helps me. <laughs> me too. I mean, I have to be really intentional because, I mean, even on a personality typing system, it'll say my personality is just kind of scattered in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I have to get really intentional. I've definitely had an interview where I, I just in the middle of what I was saying or in the middle of what she's talking about, I just like, I don't know. It's like, I'm like, you know, squirrel what you know yeah I'm like I'm like reel it back yeah, in reel, reel it back, back in. in I just totally zoned out and it's not anything on the person or their level, no. my level of interest it's just my ability to stay focused and I've definitely had conversations and calls that weren't a podcast interview where I got off the phone and I was like that person probably thought I was a looney tune like I couldn't keep my mind straight same <laughs> Same. I always want to ask a podcaster that because I've totally done it. But um, yes, it has been such a joy to have you. Where can everyone find you, including your book? I love to yes. Have, so I always have a good Amazon shopping cart going. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, you can find me on, I'm on Instagram, April S. McKinney um, on Instagram, which is a great place. Of course, I'm on Facebook. I have a, I have a cooking with April McKinney Facebook fan page that you can go to and like if you, and and I still have tons of recipes on my website. So aprilmckinney.com, you can, you can find a ton of recipes and also um, information on the podcast. You can, a lot of times I'll update Instagram with the podcast. So that April S. McKinney. And then, um, the book is on Amazon and it's still a lot of times you'll still see it at Barnes and Noble and things like that, depending on where you're at, but it's the outdoor table on Amazon. So fun. Okay. Well, I will definitely be linking all of that up in the show notes um, so our listeners can find you and support you. And I'm just so thankful you joined me today. Oh, thanks for having me so much. This has been awesome. Love it. Y'all, wasn't April awesome? I really love her story. I love her vulnerability and her transparency. And like I said, you're definitely going to have to go check out more of what she does over at her podcast, 20,000 Words. I've linked up all her links in the show notes. So find her on social media, check out her website, buy her book off Amazon and listen to her podcast because she really is super cool and truly the real deal. And I'm so thankful to call her a friend. If you love this episode or any episode, I would love it if you left a review. It would really mean the world to me and takes 30 seconds, y'all. I read each and every review each week and love hearing what you have to say. Lastly, if you love the music from this episode, you've got to check out Kayla on iTunes. She is one of our very own Radiant columnists and a gifted musician. So find her on iTunes, C-A-L-A-H, and the show was produced by Christian Sager. See you next week. As a pro. 
the last thing you need is to run out of what you need. And time spent waiting on supply runs is money right out of your pocket. The good news is the Home Depot can deliver straight to the job site. That keeps your crews on the job, not the road. And that saves you money, putting time back in your day and savings back where they belong. Delivery options, big, small, right to the job site. Whenever you say, visit homedepot.com slash delivery. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's not every day you have to replace a water heater, more like every 10 years. The Home Depot can help with a wide selection of the latest models from Rheem and a helpful online water heater buying guide to help make choosing the right ream easy. From gas to electric, tankless, even smart models that can spot a leak before it happens. Water heaters have come a long way. You don't have to. Go to homedepot.com to find the latest ream water heaters and helpful answers and advice from our water heater buying guide. Only from the Home Depot. How doers get more done.